This is the Faith Ventures Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute, telling stories of Christians doing business for the glory of God. If you appreciate this program, support the nonprofit work of LCI by donating at libertarianchristians.com slash donate. And if you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. Well, welcome back to Faith Ventures. I am so pleased today to have as my guest, Mr. Luke Ritchie from Gravity Jack. He is the chief visionary officer of Gravity Jack and founded Gravity Jack as the first AR company, I believe in the world, especially the United States at least, uh, along with his wife, Jennifer Ritchie, who is going to be our guest as well next episode. So stay tuned to listen in for Jen as well. Luke is a fascinating guy. He's been in tech for many years and I am super happy to have him on board today. Luke, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm I'm so been excited about this ever since we kind of got started talking about what we could do together here. And there's just so many things we can talk about. As a fellow techie doing unusual things in the technology space, I think we could we've already gone on for probably way too long off air about what the various things that we do and how much fun we have in it. But we have, you know, a very, very particular way of wanting to talk about your career and what you're doing here on Faith Ventures. So the first thing I want to ask you really is to give us that story of your career journey. How did you kind of get started doing what you're doing? What led you to this point? And what are some of the big highlights of your career and how you ended up being the Luke Ritchie that we are now? That's a great question. (laughs) Well, I was a very nerdy kid. So, you know, I was studying physics and chemistry and anything I could get my hands on. I lived out in the country, so I would just, I'd go to the library and check out as many books as they'd let me. And then I was back the next week and I just revolved books from fiction to biographies to science. At 14, my dad brought home a computer. This is, you know, nowadays kids are learning in kindergarten how to code, but then nobody knew really how to code. They right. were trained guys. But he brought this computer home and I was just like, I, I have to learn this thing. And so I, I read all the manuals, everything I could find. Then I started, you know, and then on board this little tiny screen, it kind of showed, stepped you through how to write your first program. It was pretty much off to the races from there. I, w- I did not have Jesus at the time. So, I, you know, money was my God as, you know, as a young man. I've always been a CEO. I knew I was going to be an entrepreneur my whole life. I wrote a program in 1994 that ended up with millions of downloads. And at the time, that was pretty rare. You yeah. didn't get an app with millions of users. And I'd given it away, which is why I got personally millions of users. But it also got me the attention of NASA and NASDAQ, who we, you know, we both have some commonality there. Mm-hmm. But I wrote, I wrote some code for them. And I didn't finally learn, oh, I can actually make quite a bit of money doing this. And went to school for comp side, didn't actually. I went forever to school. I never got a degree. There was a spot. <laughs> I remember there was a, a teacher who said, hey, 56-bit encryption is unbreakable. And, you know, I immediately raised my hand. I'm like, that's not true. Like, I could break 56-bit encryption. And she's like, that's, that's not possible. You know, it would take you 200 years with modern. So I actually went home, pulled some code from some Israelis, and <laughs> wrote a little app that would actually break 56-bit encryption and brought it back to class the next year. Oh. And I said, you, you got to show this to this class. You know, you're, you're wrong. And she said, no. And so that, that was actually the day I walked out of school. And it was just kind of interesting. But from there, 
I started a newspaper that was the first online and print newspaper. I ended up selling it. Oh, wow. I didn't really enjoy doing the actual physical aspects of it or having 45 employees. It was just, you know, wasn't for me. And then I met my wife, Jennifer. And she actually, I remember I was writing all this software for all these people and and it wasn't bad money. But she said, why do you write all the code? Why don't you hire people to do the code? And so that was our first company together, which did end up getting acquired by a gaming company. And yeah, she just, she really taught me how to like run whole teams of coders. So I was just a lone gun up until, and I really wasn't good at, you know, I was good at making money. And so I would make tons of money, but I wasn't good at keeping it, investing it. I mean, the way I grew up, there, there was no money. Um, I mean, we we had moments where we didn't have food to eat. Hmm. But Jen, Jen came from a very different background. So she was explaining to me, here's, you know, here's what we're going to do with this. Here's how we're going to invest it. And after we worked at the gaming company, I was telling her about augmented reality in 2009. I'm like, because the story had just come out. We'd written some apps. We were very early in the company that we had at the time, writing apps for the first Apple device. And I was telling her, hey, these are dumb. Like, we're going to put glasses on our face, <laughs> faces, and you're going to see digital content in your real view. Like, even the concept of a screen is just horrific to me. And she's like, well, how soon do you think this is going to happen? I'm like, oh, five years. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I wrote out a map of every single thing that would happen in the industry. And the, the map actually has been proven to be accurate. But the, the timeline was so... So completely off. I mean, this was 15 years ago. Yeah. And we're just, we're not even two thirds of the way through the map. But the Apple Vision Pro is a, a marker for, for what's coming. Uh, but yeah, she said, let's, let's patent this. And we were off to the races. We knew how to run agency work. So, you know, we have always bootstrapped. We knew there would be a moment in time where we would go raise funds. And we actually did have a term sheet in 2012. We were going to go big. That I peeled back because I realized, oh, the hardware's not ready. And the, all the key, all the AR companies that did exist at the time did take money, and they're all gone. Yeah, they're all like because uh, the business model didn't work yet. People weren't ready. Hardware wasn't ready. I really do feel like the Apple Vision Pro though is a marker, not seal. I just know in my bones because the map's been accurate. I love the Taiwan. This mm-hmm. is a there's a. A moment in history, like the Apple Vision Pro is a moment in history that people will look back on, like the, the launch of the iPhone. However expensive it is, like it doesn't matter. It's so transcendent for what, how you're going to compute and use your real space, you know, that you're in every day. I mean, we were bored computing in analog. Now you're going to be able to add, you know, this convergence of AI and visual information into your real scene. You won't even, I, I think kids are going to grow up and not even know the difference between digital content and real content over time. Ooh, that can, that can be a little scary. <laughs> it might be. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons Christians need to run this and not see this crap. And that, yeah, and I think that's something really interesting about what you're doing is you're kind of building an ethos in your company that is a, it's, it's a little different. And I think that's where we kind of want to head, head next. It's like, let's talk about the, you know, kind of your own evolution, especially as Gravity Jack kind of proceeded, because you started in 09. And you've gone through a number of years where you weren't really like an active believer in, in that exact sense. 
So what kind of led to your change and how did that kind of affect your outlook going forward, even with your business in that respect? And I've realized I've just asked a tremendously huge question. <laughs> it's my favorite part, though. Yeah. It's, it's the best part. Because we say God came and got us. Jen and I, we even use that phrase. In 2016, I got an email from a guy. That, well, first off, I'd always kind of gone to church because you know, I'm American and that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, church, guns, you know. Well, we're from the Northwest, so it's <laughs> where you are in the U.S. In one of those order, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, you know, the flag. And I was, I was usually hung over at church. I slept in those services. Oof. But there was like a desire for something, for my kids. Yeah. Like I wanted them to not have like the stuff I had or even the stuff, you know, rattling around in my head. I got a letter from an orphanage that we supported, both through Gravity Jack and personally. And he, he said, God told me you're going to go through the school of renunciation and you're going to lose everything to gain everything. My my first thought was kind of like, well, screw off. I actually use a different word in my head. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the man, it just started to happen. I started to lose my health. I started to lose my all these false identities I had mm-hmm. that weren't me. You know, I'm this amazing coder. I'm this amazing businessman. I'm this. I I cage fight. I ride my sport bike. I, I skydive. Like all of these fake identities that he had, and just started stripping off me. Uh, I never really, it didn't occur to me until later what was happening. So after he kind of strips me, then he starts healing me. He healed my body. He, you know, I have a fantastic supernatural testimony and the things he did to actually bring me and unbreak my mind. As smart as I thought I was, like I knew there was just something wrong with the way I thought. Like it was just, it was narcissistic, selfish. I didn't love anybody but myself. Even... Even my kids, who I knew like I had something inside, it was blocked by this, this selfishness and this me, me, me. And I'll, I'll share the last miracle because on March 13th, 2019, we were meeting, we had a meeting with a billionaire the next day, super important pitch. Jed and I are in the process of getting a divorce. We're still going to run the business together because we're good at it. So it's an amenable divorce that's happening. And I, I'd already been brought to the point where he, you know, cleared me of a lot of things, but that, but I still didn't know I had a need for it. Mm-hmm. And he showed me my sin. It was like, uh, it was like those movie Scrooge almost where no. he took me through my whole, whole life and literally stuff I didn't remember. Even. You know, here's when you, how you damage that person. Here's where you revenge this person. Here's where, and like, and then, and then how I treated my wife. And I'm talking every single moment, the weight of my sin was so heavy. I was like, I don't even know what to do with what I've just been shown. So it was three days later, March 16th, 2019, living in my mom's basement and, you know, we're getting a divorce. My mom is actually, my mom and dad are actually in Israel at the time. And I didn't know this, that same night when we were putting our names in the prayer roll oh. and just praying for us. And I just, I didn't know why I was repenting. But I just was on the bed, face down, screaming in the bottom, in my mom's basement. God, save me! I don't want to be like this. I don't want to be like that anymore. Save me! Save me! All night long, and I woke up different. I woke up with something changed inside me. I could, and I knew I was something had changed because all of a sudden I cared about people hmm. uh, like, deeply, and like in a way I can't describe. Just 
it, and I had, cause I had so much joy too, like to love people. Genuinely colors look different and people look different to meet faces. And then God just miraculously swept in and unbeknownst to me, my wife the exact same night had repented. And so God was doing something in our family. And then it actually did happen to our own family. My kids really made their faith their own. My sister and brother-in-law, in-laws, cousins. Like we had a revival happen in our family. But it's, it's indescribable. And it wasn't just because of the massive shift in me. It was like the spirit moved in our family and did something. So I, you know, there was a, I heard some guys say, you can't argue or, you know, an argument always loses to an encounter <laughs> and that's what happened to us i mean we so they were just like what now what god a year into this we're worshiping as a family you know several nights a week and it was a year to the so my repentance was a year to the day where they shut washington state down for COVID. right uh, so it wasn't, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't anything weird for us to be worshiping else at a church because we had to we're like god's so good and so that that would be the I know do I strayed a little bit from the business perspective, but Oh, but these are important things. Like these are yeah. these are the things that really set us up for changing the way that we behave all over the place. And so that yeah, so kind of like take your time in getting there. But yeah, but like how does this how does this affect though? Like you you pitching to a billionaire at the same time, you you you're doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Like what's going on? And how did you fix that? Well, what's so crazy is I about three months after like everything kind of settled in. God uh, took me through this process where I was just absorbing the word. And so I was just confident I had to leave business and I had to become a pastor or a counselor. Oh, I, <laughs> I just died like, this is what you must do. Like, if you love God this much, like, that's, I have to do this. And I love people too. Mm-hmm. But I knew it wasn't right. So, but I went and trained as a suicide counselor. I worked the hotlines. It just crushed me, by the way. I mean, there, it was it was amazing, but I talked about Jesus too much on the secular hotline, so I was always oh. in trouble. <laughs> and and God just kept saying, "No, no, you're like I had you right where I want you." But I I, I was fighting him on it. I don't really know why. I was like, "Well, this is business. I've wasted my life. Uh, I've learned like physics. I've learned chemistry. I've learned about the genome. I've learned about everything that man has done." you know, and, and learn and math and computer science. And I, and he's like, no, it's not wasted. And then he started to deliver visions implant in me, you know, God will give you the desires of your heart. I don't actually, yeah. I think it, that's a two way meaning. Mm-hmm. He actually is going to give you the things you desire, but he's also going to put the desires that you have. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause when, when we re-identify ourselves as being one in Christ, that means that we're taking him on as the model. And if we have Jesus as our model, then we're going to take on his desires. Amen. Yeah. 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 You think of it like, what would make me desire to want to tell people the gospel, good news? Mm-hmm. Like, I would have never desired that before. But now I like, have this hunger inside me, like this stuff. And that was where he led us. It's like, no, this is about getting the gospel out. This is about doing the gospel at scale. And and to not see ground anymore as Christians, mm-hmm. that whole thought process. I don't want to say it's simple because I, I don't know, but you know, Christianity was spread through the Silk Road. Like if you hadn't had business, God still would have done what He's doing because He's sovereign. Yeah. But business spread 
Christianity. And yeah. we're like, it is the biggest mission field. And I get it. To, I, and I'm the boss. So my employees have to listen to me about Jesus. <laughs> 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 so, you know, and they laugh sometimes, but they, they actually start to appreciate it. And then when something's going yeah. all wrong in their lives, they start, now I'm, my wife and I are somebody they come to. They're like, will mm-hmm. you pray for me? And I'm like, yeah, this is the moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> this is why I'm so obnoxious about it. And yeah, so. Yeah, so that, that those it. opportunities create themselves at that point. Exactly. And, yeah. and yeah, and I think it's it's so, you know, you, you're, part of your story here is, is so interesting. Is like the, the, there is this constant, I mean, for me growing up in the 90s, I'm a little, maybe just a few years younger than you. But you know, there's this, there's a sense when you're in the church, if you grow up there, it's like, well, if you're going to serve God, it's going to be, it's going to be in the ministry field. It's going to be as a missionary. It's going to be as yeah. a pastor or a youth leader or something like that. And that's, those are good things. You can be called to that. That's true. But what we don't often hear about, and that's, again, it's kind of what, you know, I, what I love about your story and like your, evol- your own evolution is, is evidence here is that there's so much more to being, you know, in, in the world, doing the work of the Lord and what he's called you to do than just what is ministerial in a church. I know. Now, you should be in the church. You should. Yeah. But there's also like, you know, there's that, that, that lovely little phrase that I think it was Francis of Assisi said, you know, preach, preach God or preach Jesus. And if you must use words, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, and that's kind of, in, you know, indicative of what you're saying that, you know, Christianity spread through the Silk Road. And Christianity spreads through people like you and me going about doing business and serving people well and living out these principles. So I, I'm just, it's so fascinating to hear, you know, your own shift in this regard and how that, how that continues to evolve. Well, he showed me clearly, like it was wrong. I was fighting him on what he wanted for my life. Every yeah. single thing in my life was God has shown you use and it's strategic. None of it is waste of intense yeah. in his capabilities, like it's kingdom economics. The, uh, that thought process, I think, allowed Christians to see Web 2.0, which mm-hmm. is now owned, owned by pornography, just from a traffic basis and just look at traffic. You know, this destructive, sick, evil force is now, but what would happen if, if Christians said, no, let's own the internet? Well, first off, they wouldn't have been caught off guard with COVID. You know, how are we going to actually, you know, still connect and meet? Yeah. I do know we're not the only ones hearing this message. There's, there's something happening in the body of Christ where God is saying, get up and take ground. All mm-hmm. the spaces we're supposed to own, architecture, science. We used to. Everything good that you can look in history that's come from humanity came from God through the humanity. And, you know, every renaissance, every revival, you know. So I don't think, I think augmented reality, artificial intelligence, computer vision, all the dark possibilities for it. If we don't, if we own the ground, if we take it and we run faster, mm-hmm. faster than the chariots, that he's got it. Yeah, because that's, a, and that's a great, you know, that's a great reminder, I think, for all of us, especially our young people who are coming up today, is that, you know, what, when, when these things seem dark, in front of us, it is only because like anything, anything in front of us can be used in multiple different ways for good or for, you know, we, even when it comes to, you know, like drugs for that matter, there's all sorts of like we, in chemistry, at least we talk about things like minimum effective doses where, Mm -hmm. you know, a certain substance in a high concentration kill you, but in the right concentration, it can cure cancer. 
And that's, that's remarkable. And that's, you know, but that's a pro the process of understanding that is a process of discovery. And it's not something that, you know, quite frankly, you can just pray into existence. It doesn't work like that, right? You have to do the mm -hmm. work. And that's what's yep. so admirable, I think, about what, what your, your, your perspective on this is, is that like, you're going out and, and taking the ground. And like, the, we're going to go and we're going to discover this. We're going to invent. We're going to create. And, and so, you know, how is, that, how is that manifesting itself now in what you're doing as an organization? And where do you kind of see that continuing to grow? Well, at first, when you started to give the dreams and visions and, and I'm, even stuff that was beyond my capabilities, computer scientists, some of the math I even had to have verified because he would literally show stuff and plant stuff into my brain. And, Ooh, that's scary. <laughs> but then it was, and then it was like, then I'm like, Lord, I'm not the Kaisers. Like I won, like I've lived, but it's like, okay, that was even sinful to even like about what I was about to say when I would say that. Oh no, I am the guy for what you want me to do. And it's big. Like it's the biggest vision I could actually want. And that's like, there's 7,200 languages on the planet. 7,100 of them are completely unreached by an AI. And they never mm -hmm. will be reached by an AI because there's no money in it. There's no money in me creating an AI natural language processing engine to speak to 50,000 people. Well, hang on a sec, Luke, because I think that I know what you're talking about. Some of our listeners may not. Yeah. And so you may need to back that up just a little <laughs> bit. Because I think that that's a really, what you're trying to do there, I think is really fascinating as just from a technological point of view. But talk about, okay, you're, you're using, a, you're using a AR mm -hmm. as a means to do additional kind of translation work and bringing in ultimately with the hopes of, I think, you know, surreptitious goal of bringing the gospel to people, which I think is really interesting. But of course, but back that up a little bit and explain kind of where are you going with this? Well, I'll start with a game. So that's what we're actually making as a game. The game is incredibly fun. It was planned 14 years ago. It was what well, we wrote our patents around, but we were just kind of waiting for timing. Actually, the Apple Vision Pro is a, a component of that timing. Uh, it, is a mobile, it is a mobile game. So in that time frame, we've made over a billion dollars for other companies in the games that we've written. So we actually really know games and it's that space. And almost no money of that has come our way. <laughs> just just for, for quick reference, we've made it. But, and that's, this is all verifiable. It's in our SEC paperwork we just filed, but it's... Uh, and, but God... So imagine that we have this really fun game and we can exchange from players around the world in strong economies money for entertainment which I think is just super awesome. So we, we, you know, my son, he plays games. He spends actually right. over the average in the U.S., but that's his entertainment. He doesn't go to movies. Yeah. Like, he games. He loves it. And so if I can extract that money and get this into a game, what if I apply that into an investment into what looks like altruism, but really is a long-term play for my investors? So Gravity Jack as a whole was a secular company. But I, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, I really want my investors to care about, you know, the things I care about, which is getting the gospel out, which is uplifting people in poverty. And you just can't. You can't. Heck, people aren't going to care about that. It's a financial transaction. So what God led me to was what's called a Nash equilibrium. I don't know if I'm mm -hmm. getting too deep here, but 
a nasty. Well, I, I know I went that nasty equilibrium. Yeah. So that's a that's you're talking my language now on econ. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, and applied with game theory. So we actually yeah. have real world actors. I have my investors, people in poverty. I have gamers. Now I just apply math to this whole scenario, and I have these goals. I want to actually get translation done for half the planet that's completely unreached. So mm-hmm. that's what we've done. We've built this whole model into a game where I can reward my investors. I can reward gamers. And more importantly, I pay people in remote areas of the world to translate language pairs into their own language that I pay verifiers to verify a lot. And it's, they're, they're microtransactions, but mm-hmm. if you give 40 to $60 a month to half the world, you've actually doubled their rate, their income per month. Yeah. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. So you can actually do two things at once. One, I'm actually, we're actually going to uplift them out of poverty. We give them options because we've now doubled their income. Mm-hmm. And they're now providing back to my investors this capability to speak to them in the future using AR. Yeah. And then what they're providing, and then they also get this capability now to access the world and their native language. The most important part of those is that we're also evangelizing at the same time because they're going to be converting the work out, which is not strange to do with an AI, by the way. Everybody does it because the largest body of translating work on the planet is the word of God. Yeah. So we're not like, even in countries where this will, you know, our, what we're showing is, look, we're building an AI NLP to speak to these people. Of course, mm-hmm. the word of God's in it. Everybody does that. <laughs> but we actually get to evangelize to them and at the same time, uplift them out of poverty. So we're actually doing multiple things at once. And we get a word as an end result, we get a copy of the word of God in their native language, which missionaries will tell you, depending on the stat, we have a 75% higher acceptance rate when they read the word of God in their language. And interestingly enough, that same exact metric applies to consumerism. So if mm. I'm, if I'm Coca-Cola and I want to sell to that group, I have a 75% higher chance of selling to them if I do in their native language. But half the planet will never, ever receive a message in their native language. They just won't. That everybody else hears. There's no yeah. way on earth right now that Coca-Cola can translate their, their slogan to everybody on the planet. It's not possible. This is what we're doing. We're exchanging that value as a value now for gravity check to eventually have a monopoly on talking to half the planet. And this is how we can buy business with the needs that, you know, of the kingdom. So what I'm hearing is that the Star Trek Universal Translator is on its way. Oh, yeah. And that's what I kind of detected when I was, you know, reviewing a lot of your material. And I find really fascinating. This kind of just, wow, this is, that's a vision that is, is super, just super cool and to, to get behind. That's why it scared me when I was like, why did you pick Peach Lou, Scott? Because there is this moment in time Imagine two years from now, the game's got worldwide distribution, which God has got that coverage for us. We've got amazing distribution partners. So imagine we've got the game in the hands of pretty much a substantial amount of players in all of the language groups. Mm-hmm. Now we can create a worldwide paid quest. Before we even create the AI LPs, we can create one quest that drops down into the game engine and it's just to translate one simple chunk of text. And that's the gospel message, the good news. I don't actually know what the shortest form, summarized form of the good news is. And uh, there's all kinds of scripture you can pull. So, but we've got a few years to figure this out. But there will be a moment in time 
that the first message ever translated to all languages will be the gospel. And so since the fall of Babylon, no, there has never been one message translated to every single language. Yeah. So like this is, I don't, it's like a historic moment. I'm like, I want to make sure one, that we get that message really like lock on lock. But I think that's really the moment in time that God's leading us towards is the gospel to every language. Because it's not like the gospel of John, the gospel of Mark. There's the gospel that the disciples brought mm-hmm. when, you know, before they even had the New Testament was, you know, Jesus, the Son of God. Yeah. Or existed in the beginning. And the, the, whole, the whole thing, you know, came, died, rose again for our sins. And it, it's a beautiful thing. And, and as we kind of begin drawing to a close, I want to kind of keep underscoring here as well that like the a large reason why this is possible is because of our emphasis in doing voluntary transaction, doing this kind of, what you call it Nash equilibrium, which is correct, right? And that's doing these types of things together as a, as, as a business, looking to uplift people through consensual trade and interactions. That's yeah. how we can begin leveraging these, these aspects of technology and the world around us toward bigger and greater things for the kingdom of God. And so I, I think that's just so terrific. Yeah, because the whole donation system is great, but it depends on somebody's continuous donation. Yeah. You have to build a structure that's... Got to re- produce something. Yeah, it's got to be re-entrant. Yeah. And then when you have multiple systems producing something, like you've got these people producing translations, and eventually they produce into the economy as you uplift them out of poverty. And actually, mm-hmm. the, but there's a book about the wealth pyramid. It describes this, that as mm-hmm. you bring up people out of poverty, you actually increase the wealth of everybody in the whole ecosystem, including them. Yeah. Because now they're actually in the economy and they're producing. They're not in the prisoner's dilemma of, how do I eat today? Yeah. Instead of a zero-sum game where it's, right. yeah, how am I going to eat today? And how is somebody else not going to get what I'm going to get? It's how do I keep creating so that we can all build stuff up together? And that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. It's the beauty of the win-win world that God created in this regard. Yeah, love it. So Luke, as, as we kind of a, draw to a close here, I want to make sure that, you know, there's, I'm going to ask you one question and then give you kind of an open floor to, to kind of close this out there. But I'm curious, you know, you've, you've told us your story about, you know, from, from your, tech, your tech origins, if you will, as a young man to where you are now. Imagine, if you will, you were to kind of go back in time. And this is the question I want to ask everybody on the show. Is like, if you want to go back, if you're able to go back in time, tell your younger self something, you know, some advice about work and about business, about faith even. But what sorts of things would you want to tell yourself? That might be as simple as just, hey, you know, get in, get right with God sooner. But what other things would you might think that it would be valuable for you know, somebody, somebody like me to hear, or either the college student today to hear. When I studied the Jadome as a young man, I knew God existed, mm-hmm. like hands down. What I knew also was I won't bend. I won't capitulate to this God who I hate. Mm. What I would have told me then is everything, you don't lose anything to actually lay it all down to him. The things you're supposed to have, he's going to hand back to you, polish the whole way. And the things you're not supposed to have that harm you and cause you and give death to you and those around you, you'll forget about anyway. So I would just say, lay it down. Like lay all of it down, submit, because it's, it's freedom, slavery. More, the more I become a slave to Christ, the more free I am. 
Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand that science at all. But it's that's what I would tell them because I wouldn't submit. I knew I knew I had intellectual knowledge, but I never had heart knowledge, and it would have saved me a lot of pain. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome, and it's a great message to hear. Yeah, is that the, the more that we the more that we lay it down at the feet of Christ, the more free that we become. That's awesome. Well, and and in fact, I, I love also the way you say like you know none of none of this is wasted either. And I think that that's going to end up being yeah. the title of this episode. I think is none of it's wasted. None of it's wasted. Love it. Again, as we close out, do you have any other messages you want to just leave everybody with? You know, check out what we're doing. War Tribe dot Gravity Jack dot. My marketing team would probably be like, "Hey, why didn't you didn't even mention what we're <laughs> what's the name of it?" <laughs> yeah, a War Tribe of Binyamin is the game, and there's two competing AIs. It's it's going to be really fun and something the world's ever seen. So. Yeah, I'm kind of excited to check it out myself once it goes in, in full launch. And so it's exciting. Yeah. So, so thank you so much, Luke, for, for spending time with us today. And this is just, it's fascinating to hear. And I'm, I'm just really excited to see what God has in store for, for what you're doing. It's going to be awesome to see where, where this goes. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And we'll uh, maybe see you again sometime soon. <laughs> I hope so, at least. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been Faith Ventures. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.